Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest introduced to you now. Dr. Lisa Wiedemann is an optometric physician with over 30 years of experience. She was able to reverse skin and eating issues by switching to a carnivore diet over 13 years ago and is thriving and looking better than ever at almost at 57 years of age. She had suffered over 25 years of being addicted to sugar and processed foods and was only able to finally relieve herself of that misery once she realized it was a true addiction and abstinence was the only answer. As a medical professional, Dr. Wiedemann became passionate to educate her patients that they could reverse their diabetes or halt progression of their macular degeneration with a healthy animal-based diet and has helped hundreds of others with their own carnivore diets. She combines her medical background, her 12 years of experience coaching others, her love of cooking healthy carnivore food, and her insatiable and inquisitive mind to continue to learn and understand the benefits of exercise, sleep, sunshine, and lifestyle and to pass her knowledge to anyone motivated to make a change and achieve optimal health. Dr. Lisa Wiedemann, what an absolute honor it is to welcome you to Balanced Body Radio. Oh, Casey, it's totally my pleasure to be here. I am just really so, so passionate. You know, I always feel like I just want to get on the rooftop and then scream it out that this this is really such a golden ticket and um, a pathway to health. And I'm, I'm just so happy to be here to just reach as many people that as we can. Well, it is such an honor to host you. I can definitely tell by your energy um, and all of your content that you are more than willing to climb up that mountain and scream it to everybody. It is so interesting once you get this world, you just, you can't contain it. You first of all, can't even unsee what you're seeing with all these people you're helping. And it's not something you want to like, hold on. You have to get it out there. Yeah. And, and part of it is this welled up anger that there is so much misinformation out there driven by money, money of the big, you know, the trillions of dollars the pharmaceutical industry is making, trillions of dollars these big conglomerate food companies are making, and the healthcare industry. And so word is not going to get out. The the appropriate truth is not going to get out. Nobody's going to tell you to eat fatty meat and eggs and get healthy. They want you addicted to their crap food, to buy the crap food, then the pharmaceutical industry loves it because then you're on a lifeline of prescription meds and the healthcare industry loves it because you're just sick and you'll be sick and sicker as time goes on. So it, it's, it's not only that I feel like I, I can't contain my, my knowledge and, and, and the truth, it's, it's actually um, a sadness and an anger that we are being totally bamboozled and that so much of my research and so much as time goes on. And it's, it's amazing. Like, you know, I feel like I'm, uh, I, I tell people, it's like, you know, you have to be addicted to something. And after coming off of sugars, carbs, and processed foods, I, I, I realized I have an epiphany addiction. I just love going, Oh, Oh, we're not supposed to use sunscreen and we're told to slather it on. Thank you. Night and- okay. Oh, and you go in the water put it back on, put more chemicals on your skin that absorb into your bloodstream. Go ahead. And, and just, ah, there's so many things that it, you know, all, all I feel like I can do is just continue doing what I'm doing. And fortunately I, I so enjoy, um, I, I really so enjoy having somebody else learn and realize and start getting health for themselves, drop weight, come off medications. It's such, oh gosh, it is so, um, 
Yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I guess I just have to say it is one of, you know, I, I kind of feel like I've, I've found my, my, my place in life that this is, this is really the, the way to, to live. It's the way to get healthy and to be able to help somebody else open their eyes that you're not going to get a heart attack. You're not going to die of high cholesterol. No, you should not go on a statin. There's such a minute percentage of people where even so listening to a lot of cardiologists where that would actually be beneficial. And so many people are just, um, just really pushed into it. Even people that are in this whole like animal based carnivore community, they come at me with like my doctor is really, really pushing this and almost making people like sign off that you're, you're not going to go on a statin. And I, I don't know. It, it's very difficult. I, it's so difficult being in this position of wanting um, good health and knowledge for everybody. Yet sometimes people are just not ready to hear it, you know. And I, I tell you, this is like flying the freak flag. Like, what do you mean you don't eat fruits and vegetables? That I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, it is. This is 13 and a half years in for me, and I feel amazing. I have never felt better in my life. I haven't gone to the doctor in like forever. And yeah, it's weird. Know why it's weird? Because there's all this other crap food surrounding us and it's social situations, work situations, even day to day, it's always in front of us. That becomes normal. And what's abnormal is the way I eat, which is the way man ate for millions of years. You killed, hunted, killed the animal and you ate the fat and the meat. And now all of a sudden you do that and it's like, you're going to kill yourself. What are you doing? So, yeah, no, that's awesome. That's so well explained, you know, talking about all the different industries that you were talking about. I'm not sure if you've come across this book, the great plant-based con, but Jane Buxton does such an amazing job in this book, talking about all those different industries and how they're making money by pushing plant-based agendas that it's, it's an absolute scam. It's a total scam. Yeah. And then if you want to get into, which we probably shouldn't hear the whole conspiracy theories about how Bill Gates is the largest um, landowner right now. And, um, and then the whole depopulation conspiracy theory. And, um, you know, basically it's the, the elite and the masters eat meat. The masses, they want to eat mush. Fruits, vegetables, grains, nuts, seeds, that's for people who they want to control because you're not going to be at your optimal brain-wise, health-wise. So the elite are going to keep the meat for themselves. So it, it's, it's a very interesting concept. I know people go, what are you, cracked? This is crazy. What are you talking about? And, you know, doesn't matter whether you go down that rabbit hole and that thought process or just the thought process that over time, there's been some very big misinformation that started uh, a, a big culprit is that Ansel Keys, who was really trying to get his hypotheses that fat causes heart disease. And it's just the farthest from the truth. Fat is so healthy. Saturated fat from animals are healthy. Seed oils are not healthy. That's what was developed for, for engine lubrication that they've now conned into, put into all our, you know, Anything I say, don't eat anything that comes in a box, a bag, a bottle, or a jar, or don't eat anything with a barcode. You know, it, it's there's there's cottonseed oil, canola oil, soybean oil, corn oil, rapeseed oil, sunflower oil. 
you name it, 98% of any package you pick up in a grocery store is going to have that somewhere in the ingredients. And then go, you know, then you could go right into the whole problem with the restaurant industry. It's cheap, it's odorless, it's flavorless. So they use it. And that is so toxic. Those seed oils absorb into every cell in our body. It's not like, oh, I eat a potato chip today that's cooked in vegetable oil, but that's okay. I won't eat as many next week. No, those vegetable oils, whether you're eating French fries, um, chips, mayonnaise, salad dressing, even things that you think are normal food, there's a half-life of 680 days. This stuff gets into your cell membranes, your heart, your brain, everywhere, okay? And if you stop today eating every single thing that has those seed oils in it, you stop today, 680 days from now, this is what a half-life means, 680 days from now, half of what was in your system is still there, okay? So this is serious stuff and people don't realize, and I say the the biggest issue about this is there's no instant penalty. This is things that happen after years and decades. Then all of a sudden it's like people, you know, I get it. You know, there's, I have patients in my exam chair and they might be 65, 70 and they're like, Oh, don't get old. Oh gosh. Everything was fine until I turned 70. It's like, no, this is not normal. Our bodies are such fine tuned machines. The body is always striving for health if you remove all the toxins. So, and people say, well, you know, I, I have heart disease in my family. Well, know what? Your, your parents ate crap too and treated their bodies like a garbage can too because this available, easy, convenient processed food was, was pretty much everywhere. So it's, it's serious stuff. It is. No, you're right. It absolutely is. And it's sad that we're talking about the normalization of some of this stuff when it's just not normal. It's just average that we see that around us. And I've, I've concluded a few episodes of our podcast by asking this question after my guests and I have discussed the science around some of these things, but I'm going to open the episode by asking you the same question. Whatever we talk about today, whatever we discuss, why would I not just go onto your Instagram page, see this 57 year old woman kicking ass, doing cartwheels on in her swimsuit on the beach every day, getting full sun, enjoying life, super happy. Why would I not just look at that and say, I don't care what this person's doing. I'm going to do this because this looks amazing. Yeah. And, and, and part of it is, is cognitive dissonance because when I tell people, especially me as an eye doctor now, because this is really interesting, you know, I've been an eye doctor for 30 years and, you know, way back prior to me coming into this whole biohacking world and finding this whole amazing way of eating. I was, I was doing what is typically done as an eye doctor. Well, wear sunglasses to protect your eyes from cataracts and macular degeneration. And, and now it's, it's the exact opposite. We need sunlight into our eyes. We need the photons in for a huge amount of things, not just for vision. We need no glasses, no contacts and the sun to get in our eyes, especially a little bit in the morning and a little bit at sunset because it sets our circadian rhythm for benefits for sleep. But more than that, there's photoreceptors in our eye that are directly linked to the brain. They're not all vision cells and vision nerves. All the ganglions in there are not just rods and cones for vision. It's so important. Man was meant to, you know, I guess, come out of the cave and we were outside dwellers. We weren't in an office 
we weren't in a school, we weren't in a, a home all day, every day, like most people are. So, you know, to, to now feel like I'm, and, and actually it's interesting because sometimes I like to like poke, poke the, the dragon a little bit. And I, because I follow a couple, I, you know, optometric physician, eye doctor, Instagram accounts, like there's this guy, I think, I forget his name now. Um, but he, he's, he's, he's real big into, you know, he's, he's got like a, a nice production and he's, I'm sure he's got videographers and everybody helping him. And he's, he's really popular on YouTube and, it, but he, I just had to poke the dragon. He recently put on there this, these great sunglasses that were, you know, they're not mirrored, they're matte and this and that, and, you know, protect from macular degeneration, all that. And I, I had to go in there and, and poke away and just say, you know, have you, have you looked at a lot of research that actually shows we should not be blocking that uh, radiation from coming in our eyes? It's actually natural, normal, and healthy. And I know I'm probably going to blow away people who are listening to this now with like, what is she saying? You know, my eye doctor tells me every time and sells me my sunglasses and says, I got to protect my eyes. And, and I say, you know, it's, it's the inflammation from garbage that we eat that is what's causing disease processes like cataracts, macular degeneration, diabetes, dementia, Alzheimer's, anxiety, depression, arthritis, high blood pressure, cancer, stroke, you name it. It's an inflammatory response from unnatural foods that we're putting into our bodies. So the cataracts and the macular degeneration are coming from having seed oils and inflammatory you know, processes in our body, not from natural sunlight. Yeah, that's right. No, we were fortunate enough to host Dr. Chris Kenobi on our show. He's also an expert in macular degeneration. And just, you know, he, he got, I know he's the best. He got so fired up about this topic when he first started learning about it, that he quit his job and he learned how to do public speaking so that he could go out and talk about this. And he's a fantastic public speaker. And when he starts ripping off the numbers of, of you know, seed oils and what they can do to our bodies, it's absolutely horrifying. And you're right about the sunglasses. Like I use sunglasses when I ride my bike and I use them for eye protection when I edge my lawn and I lament the fact that I've got a great collection of sunglasses that I love. I love them and I never, ever wear them because oh, you're right. I, it's so much better. Get the light. You need the light. I, I love sunglasses. <laughs> I, I really do. And I have quite a collection because, you know, I work at this place that's got a really cool selection of Maui gyms and Costas and, oh my gosh, there's, there's others that I'm like a, a sunglass addict, but you know, Here's the thing. I wear them when I'm in my car because the windshield blocks that good light anyway. So I might as well have my eyes protected from the glare off the, you know, the trunk of the car, off the road. You know, it's totally fine there. It's totally fine. If, if I'm on the beach for hours and it's coming off the sand or coming off the water, if I'm on a boat, this is this is not silly stuff here. It's fine to protect your eyes. Or in a, in a situation, like you said, bike riding, protecting from, you know, mechanical trauma. That's all good. So we still need, Casey, we still need our sunglasses. <laughs> Not all day, every day. Yeah, good call. Maybe I'll use them for like photo ops or something. I really love them. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the, that's one of the, the it's funny because like there's only a couple benefits now of, of sunglasses. And one is to look cool. Yeah, that's The right. other women 
how you put them up and it oh, pulls yeah. your hair back. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have that issue a lot more than I would, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about your history with the carnivore diet. I'd love to know kind of what health issues you were experiencing and, and how you even found a carnivore diet to begin with and what that experience was like. Yeah. So <laughs> this is such a, you know, it used to be such a difficult thing for me to talk about because carbon sugar addiction and eating disorders are such secretive behaviors. Um, and there it's embarrassing to, to admit that I was, I was out of control. I could not control my addiction. And it made me really seriously think about this once I finally, um, you know, cause I, I suffered for about 30 years. Um, and I, you know, as far as other health issues, you know, this is from the time I was you know, uh, 14 to 44 when I found carnivore at 44. Right. But from pretty much 14 to 44, I suffered and I, you know, I had issues. I had, you know, acne that totally cleared up and went away like within two weeks. And it was such a strong indication that basically grains and sugar were so toxic to our skin. Um, what else? Um, and, and I had that, you know, I had had two kids um, I had that post baby weight that I didn't want to get off, that I wanted to get off and was not able to control with my eating disorder. Cause I was still in, in, in that then, um, I just started going crazy because I thought I'm going to kill myself. I am literally going to kill myself with what I'm doing. And I, I would just, I hunted, I, you know, I tried so many different things, you know, everybody's been through all the diets and, you know, for somebody with, carb addiction, sugar addiction, the more you diet, the more you end up just falling back down in the ditch because you're just driven because we're, you know, we've become programmed with whatever it is, stress, anxiety, anger, boredom. We turn to that comfort, whatever the comfort is for somebody, whether it's alcohol or pot or gambling or food, we, we, we have these mechanisms to relieve the stress. And people don't realize that sugar is one of the most addicting substances out there. It's, it's such a widely abused legal drug. When I say drug, I'm talking about drug. And if anybody's out there listening and is not believing that you can actually be addicted to the stuff, trust me, it is an actual addiction. And, you know, if it was so easy to stop and it was an addiction, then everybody would eat it and everybody have a lean, you know, healthy, muscular body because we wouldn't eat that crap because we all know it's not good for us, right? There's no question that, you know, French fries and ice cream and cookies and chocolate is not a health, they're not health foods, right? And if we could give them up so easily, we just would. We'd say, oh, that's not good for me. I'm not going to eat it. I mean, if you tell me kale's not good for me, it's very easy to not buy kale and not eat kale. I'm not getting in my car once I've cleaned my house of kale to go buy more kale. Okay. So, and I know I have a, a really good friend and I've known her and through, through these 13 and a half years, I actually met her on that original form. And I'll, I know I go off on these tangents, but I'll get back into how I, I found this thing, but I just want to bring it up just because I'm talking about the strength of this addiction. She, in her life, she's about my age. She's a touch younger, but she was an alcoholic, a drug addict, a cigarette smoker, and a bulimic, okay? She gave up 
the alcohol, the drugs. She quit smoking. She said, by far, of those four addictions that she had, the food was by far the most difficult. Wow. So think of think of that. You know how when you think like, well, you can't be addicted. Well, take it from somebody who's had all those addictions and given them all up to to give the answer to that. And part of the problem is it's so ubiquitous. It's everywhere. You're at work and you're in the back, you know, kitchen area, the break room, and somebody baked something, somebody brought something in and everybody's got all, and oh, we're ordering out. It's junk and junk and more junk. And it's in front of you. You're at a party. It's junk. It's not food. This stuff is not food. And then I say people, I say it, you know, if you were an alcoholic who's a recovered sober alcoholic, it would be like putting them behind the bar and that's their job every day. Yeah. You'd be a bartender, okay? Because that's what it's like for people who realize that abstinence is the answer. There's no moderation. I, I always say, I can't eat half a cupcake. There's no such thing, okay? So I'm not, I can't moderate it. When you're addicted, it's like selling an alcoholic. You know what? You can have one shot of vodka every weekend. One shot, okay? Go ahead and moderate that, right? That's not possible. It's just like this, just like any drug. You have to abstain from it. Or it's like feeding the stray cat. You know, you're just poking it and saying, okay, oh, you, you can't get rid of it unless you stop. So, and then the other thing, I one of my favorite things to bring up is you walk into Home Depot to buy a friggin' hammer. You're at the checkout. There's Reese's, Kit Kats, Godiva. You name it. It's in front of you everywhere. You go walk into a grocery store before you're even like into the the main doors. Right. You go to the first door, and then there's this little foyer area, and it's from floor to ceiling. It's kettle chips and Oreos and Chips Ahoy's, and then when you get into the store, then the bakery department has tables set up with mounds of different home baked, you know, their fresh baked stuff. It's like they're, it's like drug pushers pushing the drug and they know people are going to buy it because people are addicted to this stuff. So it's, uh, you know, that's the, and, and I tell when I, when I'm in my groups talking, I, I, I do coaching and it's just amazing to get people together in groups to verbalize all this. And I say, you guys, when you are somewhere like that, like walking into a grocery store, you know, what you got to do you're walking. And as you see it, you go trigger, trigger, not food, not food, trigger. And you put your blinders on, you keep walking because unless you do that, your brain, that addictive, there's mirror neurons in there that are firing up your dopamine centers. Like, Oh, you love that stuff. Oh, your heart's racing. Thinking about that. You want it, you know, it's, it's really tough. You have to have a plan. So getting back to way back, um, so 13 and a half years ago now, I was just really perpetually just trying to figure this out. I'm like, I'm, a, I'm an intelligent woman. I'm in the medical profession. And why can't I figure this out? And so fortunately for me, one late night, March 9th, 2009, as I was surfing the web and typing in all sorts of combinations into the Google machine, it was uh, a, a website, a forum that I came across led by Charles Washington. 
And he's kind of like one of the pioneers in, in this, what we called back then the zero carb movement. It was a group of people who, they were actually on Jimmy Moore's old um, Live in La Low Carb Vita yeah, wow. website, okay? And they were on the forums in there and they had their own thread that they called Zero Carb. And the thread was growing and the thread was very active. And the story goes from what I understand, because I was not in that then, was that he kicked that thread off and put a stop to it. So Charles made his own forum and that's what I happened upon. And there was so many, there was, you know, a couple hundred people only and people, we, we kind of kept our own journal in this forum and you could read in anybody's and comment and fortunate for me. I mean, there was people with, from all walks of life as somebody resolving themselves from diabetes, somebody, a lot of people, obesity. And I always think it's really a great, great thing that Charles Washington has, has said and, and, and has been known to say that it's the lucky ones that get fat. Because if your body expresses the inflammation from the poor food with obesity, you have motivation. Those are the people that are like, all right, I got to do something. How do I get this weight off? Whereas if somebody's body just goes into heart disease, hypertension, thyroid issues, depression, and anxiety, they're not so thinking that it's the way they're eating and they might be just medicated and the doctor says you're fine and they don't go about seeking the answer. Whereas with obesity, with people wanting to feel good in their body, they're, they're the lucky ones that are driven to try to do something about it. So I was fortunate, like it, it was such a great group of people and I was really fortunate. There was two women on there at the time when I happened upon it that were openly talking about um, prior eating disorders that this had resolved themselves from. And I said, Ooh, I'm all in. So I just jumped in. I even as crazy as this, these meat eaters sounded, I was like, wow. Okay. So let me jump in. And I, I started and I thought to myself, as I do it, I'm going to research. I'm going to read the books that they had listed, you know, The Fat of the Land and Not by Bread Alone, The Stephenson, all these really great, um, you know, like through history, um, information about how the Inuit, the Maasai, how man ancestrally are, are carnivores. So yeah, as I did it and I was feeling great and... I was realizing that, wow, this is real. There's something to this. And the more time went on and the better I felt and the longer I was able to relieve myself because then the cravings go away. And then there's this incredible freedom. But I tell people it means also getting rid of artificial sweeteners. You can't keep hitting that sweet sensor on your tongue. And thanks, it's just like I'm talking about again, that straight cat, you can't keep a, keep it alive and expect that to go away. So the diet Coke's got to go, the, the sugarless gums got to go, the skinny girl creamers for the coffee, the keto bombs with the, the stevia and the monk fruit. I tell people, if you really want to be free and get through, and, and that stuff's not health food either. I mean, I'm glad you told me that there's really no sponsors. I got to be careful about stepping on the toes. There's so much what I call Franken food, fake food in these keto foods. It's keto, 
brownies and keto granola and keto chocolate and keto everything. It's just another money maker. It's a selling thing. And I'm like, we don't need that. You don't want that. You don't, you're, you're not supposed to be putting that in your body. And the reason why you're driven to is the addiction. It's the addiction. It's, it's, it's trying to convince yourself, oh, I can still have that food. It's not quite the same, but I can still have it. See, so I'm going to keep eating it. And then next thing you know, you're stalled. You can't make progress because why? You're eating still garbage food. If anything, like here I go again, don't eat anything that comes in a box, a bag, a bottle or a jar, and you're all good. And I know, I get it. It's hard. I, I, I come across, I think as a little cocky, like, yeah, just do it. And I, I get it. It's not, it's not simple. I say the rules, uh, actually the rules are simple, but the execution is not easy. That's, that's really one of the best ways to put it. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love your approach with all of this. One thing that I notice in the carnivore community is there seems to be kind of like two main groups. There seems to be this group that's like, you have to eat nose to tail. You have to get, you know, the highest quality meat. You need to eat organs, um, supplement with organs. And then that's kind of turned into like, okay, then you're supposed to eat fruit and fruit juice and all this other stuff. There's this other like kind of category of people that are just like, they just eat meat. And that's really the start and the end of it. And they go and live their lives and they seem to be absolutely fine for years just doing that. And so how do you approach your carnivore diet? Yeah, you know, I I guess lucky for me back 13 years ago when I was in with Charles Washington, Dana Spencer, she's another one who's been at this probably 14 years um, Kelly Hogan came into the group about maybe almost a year after I was in there. And then we were all talking to her to walk her off the cliff of her, her sugar-free jello and, you know, all this stuff. And we were just kind of all talking in there. And I loved the fact that, well, I'll start with the fact that I don't like organs. I don't like liver. I've never real. I've had kidney a couple of times. I think once I kid, my mom made it, but I'm not eating spleen and thymus and heart and all that. And so I loved that Charles didn't, Dana didn't. We're like, you know what? If I have such a distaste for it, how could I possibly think that that is so important for my health and nutrition going forward? That was, that was number one. Um, number two, if a big beast is killed and dragged back to the village and there's whatever, 50, 80 people, I don't know, whatever. There's only one organ. It's not like everybody's like chowing down and everybody's going to get a piece of it anyway. But I, I was, you know, whether I wanted to convince myself it wasn't necessarily necessary, or I guess I just did convince myself it wasn't necessary. All I can say is, you know, I've gone over a decade now, not eating organs. I feel great. I... I really, um, here, here's the other thing. I, I like to keep it simple. I, and I, I, I really feel so important to eat fatty meat. It can't be lean, boneless, skinless, chicken breast and fish. You got to eat fatty meat. Fat is really important. And I'm finding that out more and more recently because I've kind of changed the way I eat a bit just by eating higher fat, but I'm still eating the same way, but just a much higher fat percentage. But the, the real interesting thing about this whole organ discussion is number one, 
I tend to have a hard time listening to and believing people who are owners of a company and prominently selling the desiccated dried organs, okay? Um, Not that there's anything wrong with that. And if they put out a good argument and put out enough studies to show people they need this, then great. But here's the thing. Nobody gave a crap when you're eating Pop-Tarts and cereal and oatmeal and pancakes and, you know, nachos grande and chips and fajita, you know, all your normal standard atrocious diet, you know, that SAD, it's supposed to be standard American diet. I call it the standard atrocious diet. Nobody, nobody brings up whether you're eating an organ or not. Nobody, nobody talks about it, right? Is it, it's, it's okay back then when you're eating all that shit that you have no organs, but now all of a sudden you're eating this natural way of eating fatty meat and eggs. And now it's so important that people are freaking out. Do I need organs? How much organs do I need? I don't like organs. It's, it's like this big prominent thing. And I say, just chill out. Just, just listen, listen to your body. I, you know, and, and I start thinking, okay, what is potentially wrong with my body that I'm not getting all these, this organ meat, right? I I've got strong hair. I've got great teeth. My eyes are white. My nails are good. My skin is good. I have no acne, psoriasis, eczema. What's my indicator of poor health here, right? And But then somebody could say, well, maybe you'd be in better health if you ate organs. All right, there, there's a point there. I don't know, you know, what's better than great? <laughs> I don't know, but, um, but, and I will say this, I, because of curiosity and always keeping an open mind, I, I'm, I really try to, um, in a in a huge way, not be dogmatic and be open. Be open to an argument that we should be eating honey and fruit. Okay, that came out, and I've had so many people say they got so derailed by listening to that. I never went down that route. Recently, when this came out, I don't know a year or two ago, when somebody started doing that, I never ventured there because. I know I can't as a sugar addict, I can't put honey and fruit in. And then next thing I know, I mean, I can't eat half a mango. I want the other half. And if I don't eat the other half, if I restrain myself and I put it away and I go about doing something, the damn mango is calling my name the rest of the day. And I'm like, well, might as well just finish it. So I don't have to think about it tomorrow. And then tomorrow it's, well, now what do I want? Now what am I craving? So it was a total no-go, and I feel it does a disservice to propose that people need fruit in their diet and need a certain percent of carbohydrate in your diet when it's so not true. I mean, my thyroid's perfect, my sleep's perfect, my electrolytes, I don't know, you know, I'm not testing myself. I have no need to keep getting tested for a lot of different things um, because you know, I, I'm, I, I just don't feel that it does good to, to say that that is necessary, especially when that person himself has not come from an obesity background, an addiction background, somebody who had been stuck on, you know, all that garbage and binged on it. There's clearly not a binge eating disorder there. And to not take that huge percentage of the population 
in consideration when making that recommendation is is just wrong. I mean, with, without at least giving a side warning for those of you who have come from this background and have a hard time controlling your sugar intake, you might think twice about eating pineapple and papaya yeah. and honey, putting honey on your meat. Yeah. No, I totally, totally 100% agree. I love that very thoughtful answer. And that was, that's my biggest problem with it. It's the people that I coach that are getting confused by this advice that you're right. They don't have that same background. And once they get that, that, that carbohydrate in them, they really can't stop. I was the same way. I can, I have to be abstinent. I can't touch the stuff because I won't stop. And on that note, Bethany, um, sends her apologies, my wife, that she couldn't be on this call. She really wanted to talk to you. And she did send me a few questions and there is a question here about seasonal carbohydrates. So I want to ask you that question, but before we do, she wanted to ask the questions and kind of the, like the women versus men kind of question. And so I want to ask you as somebody so experienced, should women be eating vastly different than men or should they be approaching things pretty much the same? You know, looking, looking into that, it's, it's very hard because pretty much every question that people ask is really hard to scientifically answer the reason why there's not, it takes about $2 million to run a proper study. Who's going to profit? The, the, the reason why studies are done is for it to profit either a pharmaceutical or some sort of industry. So, and the other thing, it's so almost impossible in today's day and age, and I will say impossible to do a proper study. And by that, I mean, if you have a large enough group of people in the study, you would literally have to sequester them because you can't go by people's memories of what they ate. You can't count on the fact, oh, I had three weddings last year. And yeah, I kind of went off the rails at the wedding and yeah, probably for maybe a week or two after or a couple months after. Like, there's no way to have like a real appropriate let's call it carnivore study. And especially now you're talking about doing one with and without seasonal fruit, right? So all we can really go by is just logically thinking. Fruit right now is so modified to be these big sugar bombs, okay? Back in the day, way back, let's call it hundreds of thousands of years ago, the fruit was a tiny sour crab apple sour tart cherries, okay, and only seasonally. And there's such a huge percentage of the plant world is actually poisonous, poison berries, right? So it's, um, in, in my mind, I can't, uh, I cannot, my brain cannot compute that women need to eat some fruit to keep their hormones healthy. Um, I've, and, and as far as the question between men and women, you know, men have testosterone, men have hormonal issues too. You know, it's not just women. And ultimately it goes down to what I really still keep going by is that our bodies are, are, are here to evolutionally stay here. Our bodies are not programmed to slide into a disease state on their own. They are constantly striving to survive, right? We have Hunger, so we survive, so we eat. We have thirst, so we survive, so we drink. We have, we get cut, 
the, it repairs. We get a bacteria infection, our body knows how to fight it off. We get a virus, our body increases us, has a fever. That's another thing. Please don't take Tylenol and Motrin when you get a fever. Let the high temperature of your body do its job. Stop putting drugs in your body, especially these over-the-counter drugs that are just so overused and unnecessary. Our bodies are constantly driven to get to the healthy state, get to its status quo if allowed. And, you know, I, I say, you know, fruits, fructose and fruit, you know, you could, you know, so the, this is the hard part about this whole thing. There is so much, and I'll just call it noise. It's not that it's noise, but you know what I mean? It's all um, opposing viewpoints. Okay. And it's very difficult to figure out what's right to do. And I just think that, yeah, somebody could say, well, somebody has said, well, when I was carnivore long, long term, it, it ruined my electrolytes or it ruined, I can't even remember in specific because it's, it's so difficult to try to decipher, um, you know, what is actually happening. But I think that in, in general, keeping it simple is the best. It's just the best because think back to ancestrally, we were meant to be outside in the sunshine, grounding in our bare feet, walk on the grass, walk on the dirt, walk on the sand, step on rocks, hug a tree, whatever, you, whatever floats your boat, swim in a lake. It's so important to connect with nature and be outside and get proper sleep and eat proper food where, you know, what I was saying about all the imposing views and noises, you know, you could watch a video by um, Robert Lustig and it's just all about how toxic sugar is and fructose is a total no. And then you have Saladino there eating the pineapple and the papaya and the honey. And now you're like, all right, well, he's a physician. Now what? And I get it. I, I, I'm, and then I get the brunt of it because then I have people coming to me and says, he says this and he says this and she says that. Now what? I'm like, you know what? You're your own N equals one experiment. And that's how, that's what I've had. To, we all have to go by that because I'm going back to this. There, you can't find the, an appropriate study that's going to prove. All we have right now is hundreds of thousands of testimonies and anecdotal stories of person after person getting off their meds, feeling better, resolving their anxiety and depression, overcoming bipolar disorder, getting rid of diabetes, getting off their blood pressure meds, dropping weight. Uh, it's just, how could all these people be wrong by eating this animal-based way? It just, you know, that doesn't make sense either. And it's almost like, well, we're kind of our own living, you know, study. And and it's uh, it's it's not easy. I... I, I just keep saying, you know what, this is a journey that we're all on. And I just call it, and when people write to me and thank me for either these interviews or the, all the Instagram posts that I put out and all that, and I, I just write back to them, I say, thank you for allowing me to be part of your journey to optimal health, because we're all in this together. And that's why I love the, um, the groups, the coaching groups. It's like, it brings people together to not feel so outcast from society because we just eat in such a different way. Yeah. 
Wow. No, I absolutely love that. I can hear it in your voice on your recent appearance on the, I think, Mark Bell Power Podcast. And, it, it, you know, one of the hosts is asking you questions about fruit and is asking you, first of all, like, can I, can I have fruit? Can I have this? Can I have that? And it's like, first of all, like, can you? Like, you can. You can do whatever the hell you want. That doesn't affect my life. You can. You sure. Have do whatever you want. But but it's it, to me, it always goes back to when you start asking me about plants, I just will always have a question. I will not be able to be sure and give you a solid answer. Can I have fruit and be okay? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, but maybe not. There's always going to be a question. If I have a salad once a week, is that going to build up you know, a lot of oxalates in my body? I don't know. For some people, it does. It might not for you, but it's, the more you drift into the plant world... Even even the things we're talking about, like fruits and vegetables, not only like those, but also the processed garbage that's out there. It's like when you drift away from the animal-based stuff, there's always going to be a question that it might not be the best for you. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I try to tell people that you have to, number one, and, and I'm going to say for the most part, and I guess because of me being very open about the addiction and my struggles, I have a lot of people who come to me with similar struggles. And I say, you know what? That's number one. That's not forget about the organs and, you know, but when it comes to the, should I eat fruit or not eat fruit? I, I draw the line there on a strong opinion. And I always say from my experience, I could never have fruit and be relieved of my addiction. Okay. So it's just from my experience, but all these other things, you know what, you can figure it out. But the most important thing is, is to get away from the addiction, which, you know, you could stay animal-based carnivore, whatever you want to call it, keto for a period of time. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, we went away on vacation. We were on holiday and well, you know, or, oh, it was Christmas and my mom made my favorite holiday cookies. And the next thing you know, I was at a cookie exchange and it's like, well, you know, you have to make the decision that that's not okay anymore. And it's not that you can't have it. You have to get in your mind, listen to enough podcasts, listen to enough scientists and physicians that talk about and experts like Joan Iflin, who's an expert on food addiction, listen perpetually daily, immerse yourself in the information so that what happens when you're at that Christmas celebration and the cookies are there, you're choosing not to have it. It's not that you can't have it. You can reach that cookie and put it in your mouth, but you're, you're, you have enough knowledge and enough conviction that you are just sick and tired of being on that horrible, whatever you want to call it, the hamster wheel, the roller coaster, the merry-go-round of this addiction. You have to get so sick and tired of it that you no longer choose to have it. It's not that you don't want it. Of course, like, oh my God, a hot brownie a la mode. Who doesn't want to like think of that in your head and say, wow, yeah, that was some good, good stuff. Um, but you have to be at the point where and, and I, I say this because, and it's actually, I stole it from um, Code Red, Christy Code Red. I listened to a couple, because I'm always up on trying to listen to motivational podcasts or information about this whole addiction thing and listen to other people that overcame the addiction. But 
I love her saying that to really do this kind of thing, you have to have the why that makes you cry. Mm. You have to have a why that makes you cry. You have to have something that is so significant that you end up doing something so outlandish as eating meat, fatty meat and eggs and moving on with your life. Nobody's going to just say, ah, you know what? That sounds good. I heard that was healthy. Let's jump on and let's do it. You know, there's that you have to have this driving motivating force. And it, you know, there's some people have a number of different things. Some people can got to the point where they can barely get up out of a chair or out of bed without feeling like crap. And they're like, you know what? I want to be there to watch my grandkids grow up. I want to be able to get down on the floor and play with them, you know? And, and the fact that I can't now is a why that's making them cry. And it's motivating them to say, you know what? I have to do something. And these wacky people were doing this. I've heard people totally resolving their, their joint pain. I'm going to jump in and do it. But without that, it's like, you can't, that's why I, I for a long time, I kind of stopped trying to get on my soapbox about it and trying to help people who I knew needed help because people don't want to hear it. People really, unless they have their own why that makes them cry, which I certainly did. It's very difficult to understand that plants are really toxic and they have anti-nutrients and toxins in them to preserve them, to stay on earth and to prevent other things, animals, humans from eating them. And if, you know, for the obvious real poisonous plants, obviously that, you know, has an immediate penalty, but for things like kale and broccoli and spinach, those things have stuff in them that accumulatively over years of eating them are not healthy for us. So it, it's, it's hard to comprehend that because we are so brainwashed that we got to eat all our fruits and vegetables and, oh, nuts are healthy. You know what? Nuts aren't healthy. Almonds are inflammatory. They've got a high omega-6. They've got a lot of oxalates in them. And go ahead and look up Sally Norton and learn about oxalates. You won't eat spinach or almonds again. That's right. But it's very difficult because we're, you know, we got people, you know, blending up smoothies with all this, you know, green stuff in it. But then, of course, you got to put a banana. You got to put something in it to make it taste good, right? Because it tastes like garbage. But- it's, it's very, very difficult. I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not here to say that everybody can do this because everybody can do it. If you, if you research and have the knowledge that this really is healthy and we shouldn't be eating those other things, but unless you have a motivating force, it's, it's really tough. And you know what people who, you know, who keep saying you, you have to have fruit. I, I like, why, if you know, fructose is, you know, an entity that's actually not healthy for our bodies. Um, why, why put it in your body? And there's, I, I just think that there's, there's, there's a sugar, a sweetness addiction. And some people don't want to not end their steak meal without having their fruit. And, and I get it, but maybe they're exercising so much and their body can tolerate it and they're fine with it. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not against anybody who's doing well with it. I said, if you're healthy, you're not on medications, you feel great and you're eating fruit, more power to you. Yeah. You know, I just know the majority of people who have um, a background of binge eating, um, that fruits, a fruits, a hard stop. No. Yeah. 
no, that's a great answer. We totally agree with you as far as that goes. And you're right. Like change is really tough and changing food is very challenging. And so your life has to suck bad enough for you to make that change. And for some people, they're not there yet and that's fine. But like one of my favorite phrases is like when pain increases, hearing improves, it has to suck bad enough for you to do this wacky diet. You know, um, I did have one more question that was, what are your personal recommendations for fat consumption relative to body weight while on carnivore? It sounds like you've been playing around with this a little bit where you were lower fat before and now you're a little bit higher now. Yeah. Um, actually for most, all my years, uh, let's say many of the years were premenopausal and I just went about life happy go lucky. I'd have a porterhouse for meal one and I'd have maybe pound of ground beef for meal two. And everything was good. I got down to a lean body weight. I felt great and just kept going about it. And then pretty much through, I guess, a probably about a five-year period of perimenopause, menopause, and just after menopause, I was very sneakily, I had a couple pounds come on each year. And two pounds in an entire year is not that significant, right? But then when you multiply it by five and you got 10 pounds and a muffin top, you're like, whoa, what's not happening right here? And I thought, gosh, do I just have to start eating so much less because, you know, my metabolism's slowing, I'm getting old. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm thinking 57 is starting to get up there, but please don't take my food away, right? And then I actually saw that my A1C was creeping up. And I started doing a lot of research about if you overeat protein, if you eat more protein than what your body actually needs, it really goes through gluconeogenesis and you end up with higher blood sugar. And ultimately, from everything I researched, we really want our glucose to be low. We want our insulin low or glucose low, and that's what really leads to health. And actually, insulin, insulin is a hormone, and insulin is the hormone that's responsible for fat storage. So there's a whole number of reasons, aside from vanity and wanting to get this stubborn weight off, which was tough, I was like, huh, let's look into this. So I just did a lot of soul searching and researching and, and looking into all this. And I said, you know what? I think there really is something to doing um, higher fat and getting my, you know, and I never tracked. I didn't but then I started looking at some things. I was like, you know what? I think I was eating about 50, 50 or 60, 40 in my, in my macros, you know? And when I was looking at all of this research, I was like, wow, they want me up at like 80, 20. And lo and behold, I started doing it. And I, in an incredible way, was getting lower glucose. I was getting ketones like 3.2, 4.1 without fasting. And I don't like to fast. I, I totally admit that. And I think for some people who come from binge eating, restrictive eating disorder backgrounds, it kind of triggers like once the whatever, 24 hours or 36 hours or God forbid, 48 hours is up. It's like, all right, game on. Bring on the, bring on the food orgy. Bring on the meat orgy. It would be meat. But it was like this, you know, I feel like I have this intense, um, and, and I think our bodies are really very driven to, um, to propel us to eat when we have hunger. So it was bizarre that I could eat during the day and I was dramatically lowering my protein. But I tell people, cause then I started having people writing, you're going to have problems. You're not doing right by, you know, telling people this, 
there's people who do that PKD um, and they get into depression and hair loss and all that. And I go, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not restricting down to a ridiculous level. It seems ridiculous compared to what I used to eat, but I call it now, I call it adequate protein, high fat. Um, and it's just, it mimics fasting. It's my glucose is low. My ketones are up and it's, it, it does put you into autophagy. I feel great. I feel very satiated with the high fat. It's a little disconcerting at first to try this and do this because there's fatty meat is not fatty enough. Like a fatty ribeye, you think bacon, oh, like bacon's fatty. Nah, you know what? You cook it and most of the fat's off of it. And you're not drinking the fat that's in the pan, you know? So that's not even fatty enough, but you actually have to add fat. You either have to do it with butter or you know, beef fat trimmings, cracklings, or beef tallow. But I, I just feel like in the past couple of months of kind of switching over to this, um, weight's coming off. I feel great. And it's, it's really kind of, I, I, I feel now <laughs> that not only is carnivore the answer, but high fat carnivore is the answer in, in being in ketosis. Yeah, that's amazing. And you're typically doing two meals a day? Yeah, I do. Because I actually allow myself leeway to have a third because I'm doing smaller portions. I'm eating on a dessert plate instead of a dinner plate because I used to plow down like a pound, pound and a quarter steak like it was nothing. Um, so now it's, it's you know, much more um, uh, of, a, of a modest portion, you know, could be uh, a couple eggs with a couple tablespoons of butter, or it could be four or five ounces of ground beef with some butter and, and an egg, you know, it, but much smaller than a pound of ground beef or, you know, so I, and I, but I give myself permission. If I'm hungry, I'm going to have three of those. And for the most part, the fat is so satiating that I'm, you know, I'm just following my own hunger cues. So it's usually twice a day. Um, and sometimes three and sometimes one, depending on, on what the meal is, but, uh, it's, it, it really is something to experiment for people who have been doing this for a while. I don't, I don't put new people who are new to try to switch over into carnivore and to jump right into this because you could definitely get some disaster pants <laughs> if you're, if you're right, right into that. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Wow. Well, this has been such an amazing conversation. There's a lot of nuance and a lot of gems for a lot of people, for, for people to pick out of this. But the message that I'm hearing the most is that you need to keep things simple. You need to really pay attention and be honest about how you're feeling. You need to experiment on yourself, which you just said, and, and you are responsible for your own life. And I think people could use those messages and say like, yeah, I, I can eat in this way, be healthy and happy. And again, just pay attention to what works best for me and keep Keep doing that. I think that is an absolutely wonderful message. And we're just, we're so grateful for you for coming on our show today. Where can people go to find you and connect with you and your work? Um, well, I'm most active on Instagram and YouTube. So Instagram, it's just carnivore doctor, all one word, spelling the word doctor out. Um, and same thing for my YouTube channel, carnivore doctor. Uh, and I am a little bit on, on Facebook. It's posted over there, but I'm not active there, but the best place is, is there. And I just want to say one thing too, is just understand that you have to be your own medical advocate. You just have to, in today's day and age, and, and there are some databases of physicians. I've actually had, I've had a, a, a couple of patients from people who follow me drive like 
you know, an hour and a half to come get an eye exam by me because it's really, it's really empowering to have a doctor, even, you know, somebody, someone who's on the low carb, you know, train of thought to, and, and somebody who's not going to push a statin or somebody who's not going to think you're crazy for, you know, eating a, a high meat diet. And, and you, it, it's just so important. And it's sad. It's really sad because some people aren't, medically minded or scientifically minded to be able to do the research. And, and that's why I just feel it's so important. Just get yourself involved in a group. I have um, coaching groups that I keep small enough that people can ask questions directly. Um, and you can email at carnivoredoctor2020 at gmail. That's my um, the best way to get in touch to get information for that. I'm working on a website, but it's really pretty rudimentary right now. I got so it's so hard. It's like you know to be an eye doctor and in in this whole Instagram world to try to really. I'm I'm trying to reach out and help as many people as I can, and it's um it's a tough road, you know that Casey. But we are making an impact bit by bit. Bit by bit. Yeah, we have to keep telling ourselves that and because you're right, it is very challenging to learn all the different platforms and try to reach out to so many people in so many different ways. But but I am optimistic with conversations like this, that the right people will hear the right message when it's the right time. And I I, I just, I, I hope that we're heading towards kind of a critical mass of people that are doing this to be able to change the conversation and help more people. It's going to be grassroots. It's going to take some time, but you and your message, I think are just absolutely wonderful. So Dr. Lisa Wiedemann, thank you so very much for everything you're doing. Thank you for your desire and passion to shout this from the rooftops and from the mountaintops. And thank you so very much for taking time to be on our show today. We really appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Casey, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Such a joy. It was a real honor to host you. And this has been another episode of Balanced Body Radio. As always, thank you so very much for listening to and supporting Boundless Body Radio. It has been such a joy to go on this journey now that it's been two years of doing these episodes and all the amazing conversations that we've had with thought leaders and to be able to share this message around the world with literally hundreds of thousands of people has been so amazing. If you haven't already, please go over to Apple, leave us a rating and review as it's the best way for the show to continue to grow and touch more lives of people out there. I am so excited to announce that we are launching the Boundless Body Radio Premium Podcast. This is something that I have been working really hard at for a very long time and something I am very proud of. Now that we have done over 300 episodes, our content can be a little bit overwhelming if you really want to learn about one particular topic and really zero in on that topic. So that is exactly what I have done. I have gone through all of our episodes, taken the very best clips all about one particular topic and put them into long form very informative and concise episodes called the Boundless Body Radio Premium Podcast. That can be found on our brand new Patreon page, which I'm really excited to announce as we have all kinds of different offers there and different tiers. We're including early releases of our show, Boundless Body Radio. We typically keep about 15 to 20 episodes scheduled at any given time. So we have options there where you can have early access to those. We're also offering group and one-on-one coaching and also access to these premium podcast episodes, the Boundless Body Radio Premium Podcast. We have three 
three that are launching right now, and I will be making a new one every other week. And we believe that we are providing these for a very, very high value. So please check us out on Patreon, check the link in the notes to be able to get there. And thank you as always for listening to Boundless Body Radio.